Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Don't get your honey where you get your money. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today? Good. And that, that's a great advice. Do do not get your honey where you get your money. I get my money from the bank and my honey from the grocery store, so I think I'm good, right? <laughs> uh, dude, you're too clever. <laughs> good, dude. Good. I'm just I'm just polishing off the last of my Gandalf's Mild from my favorite Crown Heights Brewery. I'm glad you're polishing it off. Because mm. if we do like six episodes today and like it's a beer per episode, I, that last episode <laughs> we're just going to be like yelling and making jokes. And whatever the topic is, it's not going to happen. You know, those those are our most popular episodes. We're just like, right. yo, this one time talk. You know, just like wasted. <laughs> I wonder if we should podcast when we're in New York or when I'm in New York. So it's like uh, in your living room drinking, like, get the mics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one second. We're doing shots. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a live episode. It'll make, I don't know. We'll, we'll do something. We'll do something. Yeah, I'm going to be there for like what, five, six days. Yeah. Uh, and at least two of those days, well, the flight included is paid for by Betterment. Making Yay. And not because <laughs> they sponsor the podcast, just because they really like us. Investing made better. Can I say it right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Okay. So today's catchphrase is don't get your honey where you get your money. And that was sent in to us by Ben via email. And if you want to send catchphrases in to have them right on the show, uh, we prefer them on Twitter. At Money Matters Man is where you'll find us over there. You can also give them to us on Facebook. or Just listen to Money Matters on Facebook or via email if you want. Add it to your question if you have a question to send to us. And that works for us too. So, uh. Today we're talking about Google Finance, which I know it's a thing where I can look up stocks, right? <laughs> yes. So tell me, what, like, what is it? Why is it important? Uh, and how can I use it? So I I use Google Finance as like my my core like money portal, and I mean less so now because I'm much more in like ETFs and Betterment. Um, but when I first started, I didn't use Betterment at all. I didn't have like funds. I invested in companies individually myself, mm. and um, like I, I became like very interested in like how to know if like you were going to get a good deal if you bought this company, and then like what all the different things mean. And so I know there are people out there who want to. There, first of all, there are people out there who want to pick their own stocks, right? Yeah. And then also, I will. Um, unveil uh that soon we we've been tossing around this idea of having an investing competition and like you know like an investing league through one of Mm. these sites so like it'll be you know with fake money we'll all start at the same time and we'll invest and um you know one so it'll be great because we'll all learn and we'll play but uh if you want to do your research google finance is fucking awesome for that okay okay so let's see here and is it like better than like Yahoo Finance or like well so they have like Morningstar and so okay different different I, I wasn't say different strokes for different folks different tools <laughs> for I, I like Google tools. stuff better <laughs> <laughs> Morningstar is great for funds okay um but uh, Google Finance is great for companies and I also really like how their portfolio tool is set up okay okay. So I'm like looking at Morningstar just to sort of like get – well, the first thing about Morningstar is it brings up an ad and that's annoying. <laughs> but 
well, then it wants me to register. You could do something like uh, Vanguard. If you like, if you Google this, like Vanguard total stock market funds, and then just do like Morningstar. Okay. And then so what happened is like, like the the page on Morningstar, they'll give the Morningstar rating, and you know uh, they'll they'll break down how they rate it against other things. You know, so they're kind of okay. just like a third party. Um, helping you gauge like risk and stuff like that. So if I just want to see the increase or decrease over one day, the either one is going to be fine, right? Mm. Okay. And then Morningstar gives the rating. So it looks like Apple's three stars. Is it three? Is it four? Is it the top or five? So so five's the top. Um, okay. but uh, I well, like dude, Apple's not doing too good. Then it's only three. <laughs> I you know I th- I think the the reason why people people have unrealistic expectations with apple um mm-hmm. and th- this whole thought where like they are now so big it will be increasingly difficult you know like the law of big numbers like increasingly difficult to post up large gains yeah because it'd have to get exponentially bigger every time but shipping 70 something million iphones in the last quarter like blowing shit out of the water most profitable quarter in corporate history ever um i, I think they're doing pretty good but yeah, dude, like they're so definitely rising ever since like mid 2013. Yeah, like. dude, they're crushing it. So, all right, you know what? Like, let's let's go over Apple, uh, but let's do it in Google Finance. All right. I got them up here. All right. So, yeah, if you search AAPL in Google Finance, um, you know, it, it by default shows you like a week view graph. I think you should never really give that any consideration. Like, at yeah, least- I'm looking at like the long term. Yeah, like at least three months, you know, six months, but also the past performance is no indication like of in, of future performance. So just because they yeah. did good last year doesn't mean they'll do good this year. So I think people get really crazed into the graph and they see, oh my God, like 30% gains last year, I have to invest. But that could have been like it and it okay. could be down from there. So Interesting. So, oh, one, one th- cool thing here is like, they have an events calendar for the company. So it's like, okay, coming up in April, they're going to have earnings release. And March 10th, they're going to have like a shareholders meeting. So you can actually like add all this stuff to your Google calendar, which I don't know why you would do that. Yeah, that, that's a little <laughs> intense. But, but yeah. You Maybe can, if you're like a crazy day trader or something. It's cool. Like So for example, there were speculations that Apple would add um, a dividend. And, and they did. You know, And so then you'd be like, you'd be waiting for that day. When they would actually like, mm. you know, announce it and stuff like that. Um, is that what these little D markers are? Yeah, dividend. So yeah. Does that mean like for every share you get thirty-seven cents or forty-three cents? Is that what it is? Exactly. And um, like if we kind of look at the numbers at the top, um, it says like div slash yield, right? Okay. So dividend, you know, is that's how much you get per share, and then the yields would be, you know, if you have an a savings account and you get like 0.5% interest, you know, that'd be your yield. So Apple, the yield is 1.48% right now. So, you know, a couple multitudes higher than like a savings account, just whether the stock goes up or down, as long as you hold the stock and they don't change the dividend, like that's, you'll get paid that in dividend earnings. So what is, explain the yield to me because I don't understand that. So, um, there's there's four dividends. Well, I mean, there's there's a couple dividends throughout the year. So if you do like, uh, 
if you do like one year in like Apple, you'll see there's four dividends. Usually companies release a quarterly. Okay. Right. So uh, if you had bought one share at a dollar twenty, what it is right this moment, dollar twenty seven, you know, and eight cents, um, and you collected your four dividends of forty seven cents, like your your gain, like you you basically put your $127 in Apple and then they returned you 1.48% or the sum of those four. Over the course of the year? Yeah. Okay, so it's like 47 cents times four. Exactly. And then whatever that number is, that's, so like, what is that, like a dollar uh, 80, 88? Is that what that is? Something like that. And but, so, okay. so the thing is, is like as the price of the stock goes up, the yield goes down because you have to put more money in for the fixed dividend payment. So if you highlight over each D, you'll see the first 47 cents in parentheses has a 0.55% okay. yield, but then the stock's gone up, so the next one's a 0.49% yield, and gotcha. so on. Okay, so right now it says 1.48 yield, and I, I did $1.88 divided by 127.08, which is their stock price right now, mm-hmm. and got 1.48. Okay. And but the cool thing is it's like so if you put your money in now at 127 and the stock price goes up like whenever you buy it you've locked in that yield. Okay. And the yields will either go up if they increase the dividend or go down if they decrease the dividend. But like if you're looking on Google Finance, you know, for the November 6, 2014 yield, like it, it might it'll be less potentially than what you bought it at because the stock has increased in value. Okay. Gotcha. So this graph down here, I see this. There's like this little link at the bottom of it called technicals. Uh, like, what is that? Oh, I can add things like simple moving average and yeah. So bias uh, ratios. The, these are like a little bit more uh, advanced. Like, I don't want to go too much into this. I think like, I mean, so look, simple moving average. That's basically like it, that's like kind of like how dollar cost averaging is. If you could envision a graph. And dollar cost averaging just kind of like over time, like uh, evens out all of like the volatility. Okay. You know, you could put like boiler bands on there, which are like, um, it's just all different ways that you could see like volumes and like, so there are people who trade on technicals. So if like, you know, with the boiler bands, for example, they, they say that if the price breaches the top band, then it's going to like go like really high. It's going to like blow up. And if it okay. reaches the bottom band, it's going to like fall off like a cliff. Okay. So you know? like there's like this this band of uh, just average performance basically. Yeah. Like so you can't th- expect too much volatility if you're in there. And and I think like that's kind of where we should focus. I don't think you should really kind of look elsewhere. Like we could do like 50 episodes on technicals. Okay. And, and they would all be with guests because I know, you know, just like the minimum. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I guess there's two approaches. There's uh, there's technicals and there's fundamentals. And mm-hmm. I'm like really into the fundamentals of like what the company does. Do I believe in their product? Like, you know, who's running it? Stuff like that. Um, technicals is like literally just looking at the chart and trading the chart. Okay, gotcha. So there's this portfolio option, I think. We add a portfolio. So, all right, before we go there, I kind of want to just talk on the those numbers at the top. Okay, so like range, 52-week, open, that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, so so I think like those are pretty self-explanatory. You know, like a fifty-two week, it has like the high and low in there. You know, the the open price is what it opened at at the day. Um, but like there's some other more interesting ones. Like so, for example, the divi- dividend slash yield was yeah. one thing in there. Um, another thing in there is like the it's like P slash E. It's called the PE mm. ratio, or excuse me, price to earnings. Okay. And this is uh, like probably like the most prolific way uh, for people to determine like if a stock is overpriced or not. Mm. So it's basically like uh, the price of the stock based on how much earnings the company made. And so uh, right now Apple is at 17.12, which means that they're trading at 17.12 times their earnings. So their total stocks that are circulating are 17 times the value of what they earn. Correct. And the reason it trades at future earnings is because people buy the stock like because they believe it's going to go up. So okay. obviously you're going to buy it for the future. And then the higher the price to earnings ratio is in a sense how overbought a stock is. So Okay. And now if you compare like, you know, Amazon does amazingly well. Like if you type in a AM ZN and you search that one they actually don't they, have one ah, damn it so why do they have one uh because they, they often don't uh declare a profit let me let me put another one in there okay um let's do microsoft real quick they're at 17 as well ah so ah search facebook okay because microsoft is also a big company they're not like super sexy oh wow 70 Right, so everyone's like, I guess everyone knows what Facebook is, Facebook's going to take over the world, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So their price-earnings ratio is almost 71 times their earnings. So like, that that's like, they have to just crush it for that to be like a proper value of the stock. So yeah. like if at 70, I would be scared shitless to even like consider putting my money in something like that. Okay. Because for that to reach fruition, I basically need people more delusional than me to bid it up even higher for me to make money. Okay. So it's a lot of like just overconfidence in the company, pretty much. Basically. Yeah. So it's seeing like really big established companies are hovering around 17. Johnson Johnson 17, Microsoft 17. And they they say like uh, I think it's like fifteen to twenty is like the sweet spot where they consider it to be fairly priced. Okay. Depending on like how hot the market is, but you know Microsoft, big business, super profitable. No one's you know running out the door to buy them. You know, nor the people who own it really flipping out to sell. So it's just kind of it's fairly priced. And I find like comparing companies to like Microsoft and stuff like that is like a good uh, gauge of if it's like overpriced or not. Okay. So Exxon's like 12, actually. So that's pretty low. And but they're it, like the most profitable company in the world, aren't they? Or like the highest revenue company in the world. Uh, or so, maybe maybe in, in America. So so they, they used to be. Uh, that's Apple. But um, Or pro- wait, actually, uh, there's like a Chinese oil company, isn't it? Hmm. I think there is. Not like, uh, not profit, because profit's Apple, right? Profit is, yeah, Apple, and, and I'm not sure with revenue. Oh, it looks like it's uh, Royal Dutch Shell. Yeah. Sinopec was what I was thinking of, I believe. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, but it's funny when, like, when you like look at the most revenue companies in the world, it's like oil, 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 oil. 
And dude, like you look at the PE ratio, right? So what you would, if you're like investing in a company and in stock, one, it's like the vision, but also, you know, they have to make money. And since mm-hmm. you're an owner of the company, you want a profitable company. So a low PE ratio is good. And like you think about it, oil is really low. Uh, Exxon just released their quarterly earnings like a few days ago, like last week, and it's down 20 something percent because mm-hmm. of the price of oil. So people sold it off. So now it's cheap. And that's okay. kind of like where you can gauge like when things are cheap, when they're not cheap. And like what you would do is like while we might compare Apple to Microsoft, you would compare an oil company to Exxon as like maybe the baseline of what people okay. feel about that industry. So maybe this is a really naive question, but is that part of the reason why gas has been so like lowly priced recently? What? That – you said like they had to sell off a bunch of shares for oil or something? No, no. I'm, I said their their revenues are down 20-something percent. And the reason the P.E. Oh. ratio is 12 is because a lot of people who own Exxon have sold it. Okay. Like if, so, if, if it was the reverse, if a lot of people bought it, the P.E. ratio would go up. Gotcha. So we talked about like what happens when you sell a stock in a different episode. Mm-hmm. It's not like it, it doesn't go back to the company. No, like it gets, it gets sold to somebody else, right? Th- I mean, the company could buy it from me. Like the thing is, it's on the open market, and like if you could imagine, and right now it's like far more advanced. But if you imagine like the movies where like they're on the trading floor in the stock exchange, and mm. someone's holding up a piece of paper, and they're like twelve dollars, twelve dollars, you know, and then like no one buys it, they're like eleven dollars, eleven dollars, ten dollars, you know, and eventually someone will buy it for something, or yeah. you're just stuck with it. Okay. So, like, if if I'm trying to sell it to you for twelve dollars, oh. and there's five people who want to buy it from me for twelve dollars, you may say thirteen dollars that you can get it. So that's kind of how the stock goes up and and down. Gotcha. So the price to earnings, the earnings is whatever the company's earning, and then the price, the number of shares in circulation doesn't change, but the price of those shares is what sets that part of the equation, right? Right. Although, okay. although a company can release more shares, so but they can't like take them back. Uh, no, so they, they, they could themselves. do both. So what happens is, you know, Google wants more money. So like, you know, well, we could take out a loan, or we could just create more shares and dilute everyone who owns. And mm. oftentimes that happens, and and you know, we have small stakes, we can't really prevent it. Um, so that's one way. And another way is Apple is doing a share buyback program where they're taking their ridiculous revenues and they're buying their own stock with it because they oh. believe their stock's underpriced. So like literally Apple is driving its own like share price by using its profits to buy it. And then okay. they're taking them out of circulation. You know, Apple may give them out as bonuses yeah. or whatever. Interesting. Okay. So, so a company back. can reduce the amount of stock it owns by buying it back basically. Or the uh, amount of or stock a, that's out on the market. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Amount of stock that's out. Okay, so is it really regulated when they want to increase the amount of stock? Because I was watching that documentary, The Men Who Built America, mm. and um, so Cornelius Vanderbilt, the guy who owned a lot of the railroads, mm. he wanted to buy up this other railroad company that was pretty big, and these two like middle managers in the company essentially like realized what he was trying to do, mm. So they just started printing a bunch of more stock, and like with every share they printed, it would dilute the amount of ownership that each share that Vanderbilt owned like would represent the company. But then, like it said, it was really illegal today to do that. So how does a company print more stock 
and like still be legal. So um, it, it comes down to the vote of the shareholders. So I, the, the thing is like you as a company can't just create stock because you your whole existence is based on serving the owners of the company. So okay. if we get a collective vote of the owners and we say every month to print more stock, I mean that'd be dumb because we're diluting ourselves, but yeah. then we could. So I think the thing is I don't I don't know like how exactly it went down but I it's just they can't just do that on a whim. Okay, so it has to be like it's all like registered with the SEC and it's like a whole process. Gotcha. So it's like what? Yeah. Okay. So I think here it is. Uh, watered stock, basically. So basically, you would need to have the shareholders all vote to increase the stock. You can't just do it to screw over one one shareholder, pretty much. Mm. Gotcha. It looks like it was called the Erie War between the Erie Rail- Railway Company and the Vanderbilt one. Interesting. Okay. Should watch the documentary. It's real good. Ah, sounds sounds really good. It's like one of the most well-made, like highest production values in a documentary I've seen. I feel like I have difficulties. I mean, I was on like a huge kick with Laura on documentaries, and uh, Mm. lately we kind of like ground to a halt. We haven't like found ones that like really excited us. Okay. I I mean, aside from Ancient Aliens, of course, that one always. So uh, I want to move, like, lastly into the portfolio function because I see I can add to portfolio here. So let's see here. That just adds it. And yeah, then I can so, add transaction data. So do I have to, like, manually track what I do with my broker in here to so, see? So you do have okay. to do that, um, which for me generally, I, I was buying, like, non-dividend stocks uh, in the beginning. And so it was easy with dividend stocks. It's not so easy. And I guess the thing is, um, you're like I, the way I would use it is I'd be at work, right? And I would just want a quick glance at like how the market's doing or how whatever, or you know maybe I want to make a purchase decision or something. I just want to see. And so I would use Google uh, Finance portfolio to kind of track my holdings, mm. their value, and because I didn't want anyone to like no, like come to my desk and be like, oh wow, this this is what you have. Or I just took all my holdings and I divided them by ten. Oh, okay. So, like, I, it would look like it was like I had like not that much, right. and I but the but the gain, the percent gains are the same, and it'll tell you the daily gain in dollars. And then all you do is you move the decimal place over one, and you know what you really made that day. Or you just not let people look at your computer screen. <laughs> exactly. Or you get a port of those privacy screens. Yeah. <laughs> or look at Google Finance on your phone. I, I found out I do. Is there like, an app for it, or is it like uh, nicely mobile or something? You know, I actually don't know, to be honest. When Let's I'm see. on, like, my phone and stuff, I'll just log in. Well, it's f- not responsive, so. Mm. Well, it's kind of responsive, but not. Like, if I go to phone levels, it doesn't look very good. You know how those graphs are on the phone. Like, those where you can kind of select the area, and, like, when you're trying to do it with your finger, it just Fs it up. Yeah. the Google Analytics is a pretty good app, so. But uh, the cool thing is, is, like, you can put a bunch of – so. What I would do is I have – and actually, I still have it right now. Uh, I, I never changed it. But I have my portfolio, which is what I own. Okay. And then I have one – and I it called it Bench. And it's basically like my stock bench of things that I'm watching and I'm considering buying next. 
and I just put them, you know, someone I hear on a podcast or whatever, someone's, oh, Tesla. I'm like, okay. I just throw it in there and I'll watch it and I'll compare it to other companies. And it's just kind of like my pending research area. So, yeah, you have a speculative portfolio, basically. And the cool thing is, is when you add it in, so one, you could have like how much shares you have and see your gain. And there's like, that's like the performance tab under the portfolio, but there's a fundamentals tab and that shows like the PE ratio and, you know, market cap Mm. volume and, you know, beta, which is the volatility of the stock. Okay. Um, So you can get like a higher view, you know. Okay, cool, cool. So it says here that I have uh, 650,000 shares of Exxon <laughs> because I just uh, put in a random number. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, it looks like a pretty good way to track stuff if you happen to – oh, and you can you can track like mutual funds too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like one of the things is uh, – I mean one of the reasons I really loved uh, – Google Finance is like not even for like the the numbers and the research part, but it would be like a random day and Apple goes up a lot or a random day and Tesla goes down a lot, you know, or I'm looking at my bench trying to find an opportunity and they have awesome curated news about all. So if you go to a portfolio and you build with a bunch of stocks, your news section will be a culmination and and I I'm not sure if this is exactly true, but it, it looks like it's weighted based on your holdings, how they weight the news of what shows. And so like if you have your bench, you know, th- this is actually how I found the whole Tesla fires thing. It's not like I obsessively study Tesla all the time, but it showed up on my feed. I glance at every once in a while. It was a big deal, okay. you know. And so I mean that that's how I found my opportunities before. So it looks like it doesn't tell you how many shares you currently have. In which? I'm not seeing it. If you go uh, into the in your perfor- portfolio. If you click on the performance tab, it'll. Yeah, it'll I guess. Tell oh, you. maybe you have to put it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you have to well, put it so in. Well, so for Exxon, I, like, I said that I bought 650,000 shares, but then it doesn't show me in the performance tab that I actually have that. You, yeah, you need to give like the cost basis of per share so it could calculate out your gains. and. Okay, weird. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I have to play with it. But I could add my, my mutual funds into there and like track it that way. And dude, like part of the whole thing with putting the – you know, if you want to track like how well you you did, you could just put one share. The, I think the important thing is tracking the price when you looked at it. So in the bench, I put down the price that day and when I checked back in a month, I could see all the things that I picked on that same day and like how they performed. Some would have gained X, some would have lost and it gives you an idea like when you have like this intuition to buy something, but you don't and you put it in your bench, you know, you can start to see like if you've been right or wrong and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. So what's this uh, domestic trends section? Uh, so it's kind of just like the normal Google trends where, oh, okay. you know, you can click on like construction and it'll show you, I guess, what the construction I think it's. I think it's actually. It's uh, tracks queries related to ah. So it's literally Google Trends. Oh, so it shows what people are searching for. Mm. Okay, that's I, cool. I guess the thought is like if people are searching for education, you know, maybe it'll it'll go up the value. Oh, you can see some pretty interesting stuff here. Okay, what yeah, because like? there's like definitely peaks and valleys. 
like oh people are not searching for education in the summer and like it's during super Christmas, seasonal like, yeah yeah but then like you can see the semesters that's interesting like dude like if you click on uh, bankruptcy you could see like it, it was high and it's been slowly going down oh yeah but, it, but you see that huge peak everyone was searching bankruptcy what was that literally september 20th 2008 uh wait so, yeah it's the peak like the volume's like out of control you know interesting okay and I'm guessing if, interestingly, unemployment's as big in 2010, not 2008. It took us all a while to lose our jobs, or we were all worried that it was going to run out. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and then the rental markets definitely like go way, the searches go way down at the end of the year and then go back up. I, I get obsessed with this stuff, dude. Like being like a quote unquote like data guy. Like I just I just stare at graphs and just like ponder meanings of why. <laughs> <laughs> Can we ponder the meaning of why furniture searches have gone way down hmm. since two thousand four and five? Maybe we don't have money for furniture. Yeah. Could be. Could very much be. Just go to just go to Walmart. Get your furniture there. <laughs> I, I so I don't know. Tell me what you think, but I, I feel like we did like a decent. Yeah, I think smattering. it's a decent overview. I mean, it's a single tool, so it's kind of hard to be like, I don't know. Here's like the overall lesson, but it's it's a cool yeah. thing you can use. I might like tra- play with it and track my my uh, mutual funds in here. It's free. I don't have There's so stocks. much info in it. Like you could compare like the Shanghai index to the Euro stocks, whatever. And just... I guess it could be like a good way to be like okay. I'm looking at it. Here's what I don't get. And then you can start educating yourself from there. Yeah. If you want to like build your financial education. Cause there's a lot here I'm looking at. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you can see like currency. Uh, yeah. So when, like, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you ever like do that. this when you like go overseas, you could like go to Google, just do like USD to EUR or whatever. Oh wow! And then uh, yeah, you could see like how much it'll be per dollar, and dude, this is awesome. So like, dude, the one second... dollar, one hundred and eighteen yen right now. I was just gonna say USD to JPY. Yeah, because last time I was there, it was uh, about a dollar to a hundred. The first time I was there, a dollar only got me seventy five. And dude, like, so cl- I was hemorrhaging money. Dude, if you click on that one year thing, like in the past few months, it is like yeah, holy I- crap. It's yeah, sixteen percent has gone up. That's probably bad for Japan. Oh yeah, it's bad for Japan. I mean, their stuff can buy less. But- oh wow. Hmm. Okay, I had a friend who went there in two thousand seven, and he was like, he was like freaking out about, oh, you can get one hundred twenty five yen for every dollar, and we are back up to that point now. Dude, in the- two thousand twelve when I went, it's like way down, and I was only getting yeah seventy nine eighty. Dude, you don't even know how much anime you could buy when you're there. Like all of it. You actually couldn't. You actually couldn't. Oh, you can't? Interestingly enough, anime is incredibly inflated in price over there. Hmm. Like like four episodes will cost you like 50 bucks. What? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know why. Best way to watch anime is probably just stream it on like Crunchyroll or Hulu or Netflix. Crunchyroll. Hmm. Yeah. I'm hungry now. <laughs> Dude, I want some Crunchyroll sushi. Oh, I'm stoked for New York now because you guys have good ramen. Oh, dude. Oh, we'll find a good ramen place. And if you like sushi, I'll bring you to an amazing sushi place. Blow your mind. All right. Do that. I know a good ramen place that we can go to in East Village. D- oh, dude. That's where we got to go. Mm-hmm. All that like weird stuff is over there. And it's oh, it's yeah. awesome down there. That's where we stayed last time I was there. Cool. 
Well, I think we covered it pretty well. At least as good as I can do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good start. And look, if you have questions, just let us know. Yeah. I like a lot of the questions become episodes, and if not, I'll just give you the answer. Exactly. Yeah. So if you got questions, listenmoneymatters at gmail dot com is where you can send them, and you can also get involved with the show over at listenmoneymatters dot com slash get involved. You'll find ways to subscribe to the show if you're not already. Also, uh, you'll find instructions on how to leave a review if you want to. And today's review comes from Unforgiven three four nine from Australia, and I'm not gonna try to do this in an accent because I can't do Australia. Every time I try to do any accent, my girlfriend says it always just ends up sounding like Michael Kine. So, on when that day comes, Master Wayne, I won't want to tell you, but I did bloody well tell you. Anyway, uh, Andrew and Thomas deliver great insight into many topics and make things realistic and fun being given great personal examples. Uh, you'll also learn about the different beers and scotch whilst the guys go off on entertaining but succinct tangents. A well-paced, informative podcast with plenty of variation. I'm an Australian listener, and whilst this is aimed at the U.S. market, many of these lessons learned and thought processes can be applied to any financial learning and life situation. Keep it up, guys. Can't wait for each and every episode. Love from Australia. I like getting one from Australia. <laughs> yeah, from down under. Do you have like a tool that like gets the reviews from other countries? Yeah, I actually use a comment cast and it pulls it from everywhere. Okay. Aggregates the thing, tells you how much since you last synced, it's like up or down. Mm. and. Okay, I should try that because I have no idea. It's awesome. It's free. Nice. I it it takes a little bit that. to refresh it. So you got to like refresh and come back in like five minutes. But Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, hey, guys, if you want to find our favorite money management resources and books, we recommend all kinds of good stuff like that. Go over to listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's all we got for you today. So thanks for hanging out. And we look forward to the next episode. Later, Andrew. Later, Thomas. Tell your friends about this show.